The following is a paid program and does not necessarily represent the views of iHeartMedia. Securities and advisory services offered through Investicorp, member FINRA, SIPC. Information provided during the J. Arnold Wealth Management Company show is intended for informational purposes only and should not be considered advice. Please consult with your own investment advisor or tax advisor before making any investment decisions. This is the J. Arnold Wealth Management Show. Stepping up to microphone number one over there is uh, the man himself, John Arnold, from the J. Arnold Wealth Management uh, on News Radio 570 WKBN Monday. Nice yeah, and cool. How are you? Can you hear me all right? I got a copy on you over. Excellent. <laughs> yeah, on that. All right. So, what's going on? Uh, Mark, let's talk market wise and uh, things going well, sir. I think market overall is going well, and I, could, I think it's continue to continue, continue to do well. Well, the, uh, the other day, wasn't it an all-time high the other day? Yeah. 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 Does um, that make investors nervous? No, because I think the fundamentals are supporting it. If if we had a bad economy or if we had, like, if you remember in 2008, 2007, before the crash, you were hearing about people losing their homes. A couple here, mm-hmm. a couple there, and the dam had not broke yet. And there were some other things going on, you know. We were kind of stagnant, you know what I mean, as far as uh, uh, GDP. There's some things going that, you know, market was, believe it or not, high. But we really weren't, you know, we weren't killing it like we are now. So the fundamentals are, are there. So I don't think people are scared now. All right. So people are used to, people aren't afraid to get in with them high market thinking what no. goes up must come down. Exactly. And you're still putting, uh, new money still coming in at J. Arnold Wealth Management? That, now, that's an amazing thing. I, I never been in a situation and maybe it could either just be I'm hitting my stride in my career or prime or well, I don't think so. Or we're just doing <laughs> no. Shoot shoot that down, Ron. You know shoot what? that down, I'm gonna retire tomorrow. I'm old. And I felt good about doing yeah. that too. <laughs> Let me sit up a little more in a chair. <laughs> <laughs> All dressed up, nowhere to go. Right. Okay. I uh uh I like I said, on a serious note, I'm either hitting my stride or people are loving our results. We, I literally wake up in the morning and there's three or four checks coming in the door by existing clients every day. Every day, our new client pops in and says, "Hey, I heard the show," or so and so. So new clients or, are still are, are still coming. They're not oh, nervous man. to get into a high market. No, no, they're 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 piling on. Like, we have a five to six week waiting period right now to get an appointment. Because uh, what I do is I uh, I select a, a certain amount of appointments. It for, takes time each time. Yeah. Well, no, I just. I don't want to hurt the people that have already become my client by taking on all new. Right. So I don't want to punish the people that have been with me from day one or have come on board lately in lieu of just taking too many new appointments throughout the week. So You can only handle so many. And then I need to be in front of that market, the computer, to do trading. It's not one of those things to where... You know, it's like selling Tupperware where here's your stuff. In other words, here's a window that you have where you can meet with new clients. Takes an hour or more with each client to to right. talk to talk to them, and that's you can only talk to so many people during that time. And the rest well, of the time, my, you got to be watching the market. My point, basically, what I was the point I was trying to make is, I've never been in a situation to where I, we had to wait like a doctor, you know, a little while to see me, and I, and I'm proud of that. Uh, a, lot, a lot of that has to do with the market, and a lot of that has to do with some really kick-ass picks that I've had. So, um, and and this show. So you know, well, people are seventy and Ron Verb. Are people? But people aren't nervous. It used to be people were nervous when the market was high to say, "Oh boy, I don't know if I want to get in right now. The market's too high." It seems like that 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 is gone away. People are thinking the market's high and it's going to go higher. It's a different mentality, is what I'm saying. Well, it's a new it's a new kind of market. 
just like if you uh, look at the new things that are coming on, it's, I, I talked about this about a half a year ago and uh, I think it holds true so far. I've been right. We're in a paradigm shift in our economy and, and the way we do things. And that includes the stock market, you know, in a good direction. Right, we got computerized HR. We got computerized financial guys. We got which robo advisors we got uh, on all, all just a completely different way of thinking and, and how we operate as, as far as uh, business goes. And, you know, along with that comes a new momentum for the for the stock market. So I, people try to rely well in, in this period of time, it went, you know, after this amount, it went down or at these crossroads, it did this. All that's malarkey. At the end of the day, it's the current stock market is built on the current analysis and the current analysis is excellent, which, you know, I, I don't like to turn this into a political show, but I listen to your show every day. I am fired up what's going on right but i mean you, you look at results i mean it's all yeah. about results uh, uh, then, results for your clients that's really what what matters to them are and are a lot of them coming out of the bank still yeah honestly i would say one out of ten people are are, are kind of sour from what the bank rates are doing which and are they, still nothing they come to me and they say well the bank's doing this and that. listen there's nothing more in life that i would love to throw the bank under the bus Truth is, the banks it's not the bank's fault. I mean, they're getting money at a, a super low rate, and they can only charge a certain margin. At the end of the day, that's the rules. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but it doesn't matter. I mean, regardless, it, for me, it's about, you know, we got to get a better return on your money, town value of money. Well, isn't it the shining example, because we're starting to see the inflation out there, so people need to get a better return than the bank's going to get just to keep even is what we, I'm saying. We are starting to see that, that. Seriously. Yeah, we're starting to see that dark horse. We are starting to see. All you have to do is look at the price of everything. It's going up. As a matter of fact. Yes, it is. I, every competitor I have custodial-wise. So we use Fidelity. We use Interactive Brokers. We use TD Ameritrade for our custodians. Um, but Ooh. Fidelity, like the people I can, believe it or not, I compete with my own custodians. So Fidelity and Charles Schwab and uh, uh, TD Ameritrade, they have their own financial advisors. And then I'm using their platform to trade and, and to manage my clientele. And their well, platform, What do you mean? You use their platform, but you run the show. Exactly. So let's say you didn't want to deal with a guy like me and you just wanted to deal with somebody at Fidelity. Okay, Which Let, you, Okay. let's say, for example, I don't want to deal with a guy like you. I want to get a financial guy that doesn't pay attention to my account and uh, could care less about uh, looking at what the market's doing and trading and buying and selling. It's even worse. Than I that. want something like that. Let's say it's even worse than that. Now, let me make and then I want to go. Point. I want a guy with a beard that I can go to and say, "I'm thinking about retiring," and he's <laughs> going to say, "Well, let me take a look here." You know, <laughs> it's even worse than that, Ron. These people that are that's commercial. Suppo- they slap um, investment licenses on these folks at Fidelity and TD Ameritrade, etc., and they give them a script to say they have no idea what the hell they're doing. They're just dumb. They're they're inexperienced. They're exactly where I was at in '99 in this business. They were they're 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 trying to act the part when they really don't know the part. But they're they're carrying the the big badge with them, the the, the fidelity badge. And believe it or not, some people are hoodwinked into that nonsense. I would much rather lose a client to a a fellow financial advisor around here that has his own shop or her own shop. That's good. Than some jerk off it. But they got to be trade sitting in a sitting in a cubicle somewhere that has like fifteen thousand clients that has no idea what the heck he's doing. That drives me nuts. But people do that anyway. I still say this, folks. Listen, uh, listen to me. 
I bet the majority of you, now I'm not talking John Arnold clients, I bet the majority of you, true or false, the majority of you that uh, have investments with an <laughs> investment advisor, never hear from him and... Uh, Never hear from him, and he and he doesn't really do anything. He puts you in stuff and forgets about you. Ser- seriously, the majority of you listening, if if you're a financial advisor or financial investor, you know, like I'm not talking about your 401k. You know, I do I do I do my 401k here, and I get my returns, and I look at it, and all that kind of stuff. But you're in charge of that, really. You you are in charge of your 401k. Uh, John can help you out with that if you want some advice on it. But outside of that, I'm just saying, most financial guys, true or false, fellow listeners, they don't pay attention. They 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 shake your hands, glad to get your money. How much you got? Fifteen thousand. Okay, let's invest it. We're going to put it in this. Okay, thanks for coming. And then that's it. They're, they're asset gatherers. There were what I was for my first five six years to where it was a political game, kissing babies, shaking hands. Gathering assets, taking people to lunch, taking people to golf. Put them in an investment. Put them in a pie and right. an annuity and have a nice day. And then, you know. You, and then when it goes down, say, well, just, you know, got to stay with it. It'll come back. I, I, I can hear it. Well, I hate it's not that. only that. It's just, like, for instance, I, I will say that I will, I'll be the first one to say I don't communicate a lot with our clients as far as, like, how, how is your day going and we need to go in for a review. What I, I communicate through when they see their trades, when they see their portfolio. Oh, John did this in this account, or John did that, or we're up this much percentage in the quarter, et cetera. He must be doing something. I am. So the my the, what, the point I was trying to illustrate as far as competing with my own uh, custodians was that we haven't raised our prices, and every single custodian and RIA shop around us has raised their prices from one and a quarter all the way to 2%, and I think that's crazy. So... um. I don't know how people get, you know, bamboozled into thinking that that's that's kosher. But think about this: if someone charges one and a quarter to two percent plus the trading fees, how much money does someone have to make just to break even? Secondly, um, I, I have, you know, there'll be a day where I probably have to raise raise the fee a quarter or a tenth to keep in line with a profit margin. But I didn't feel that um, that we've done enough internally to cut cost that to. To, to make that justifiable. So we just, you know, what we did is we, we went to strictly email um, or copy your cost or weigh down. We, 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 we do, you know, we you email your clients, right? Deductibles. Yeah. So we did a lot of things internally that I felt like we should, ad- we should attack ourselves first and budget versus raise the fees on the clients. And basically whoever washes out, washes out and we're going to keep who keeps with us. I don't think that's fair. So we just have a different mentality and model. We're just a very client. So you kept your fee right where it's at. And and why that's so significant is everybody else raised theirs. Oh right, and it is. And I'm the as far as I know. I'm well, the your expenses shop. go up too. Yeah. Oh, they but, have. But but you keep your your fee there. Which explain to our listeners how with John Arnold, he's an active money manager. And how does if John trades a stock for you, if if he says okay. We're going to sell this and get out of it, uh, and he can do that without calling you. You don't pay for the trade and buying it or selling it. You don't pay. He eats that, right? You pay for it. Yeah, so we eat, the, we eat all the fees. That's huge, it. too. I, it is. You just see my trading fee costs at the end of the month. It's I like, wouldn't want to see it's it. It's like 4500 oh. bucks. Right. And you, but you don't pass that on a client. No, we eat it. 
And, so, he, and he does that because I love it. He drove it crazy because he would say, it's not right. If you're losing money and I sell your stock, I make money. Then if you buy another stock, then I make more money. That's not right. So he eats every trading cost. He pays for it. You don't pay for it. You pay him a, what, a quarter percent? No. One-twelfth of one percent per month or one percent a year. <laughs> so we bill it out. One-twelfth of one percent. There, there's another commercial for me. So a lot of financial advisors... They either charge 1% up front or quarterly, a quarter percent per quarter, or at the end of the year, 1%. And I don't think that's fair because uh, let me illustrate 2016, which is Donald Trump's first year. You know, the market was average to, to poor at the, in 2016. We we sucked right with it. And it, how fair would it have been if me, I would have got my 100% of my fee up front, and then the client's count was average or even went down. And then November, when Trump gets in, she straight up like a bottle rocket. You know, the client didn't make that money during that time. I did, though. But Or even worse, if I got paid at the end of the cycle, at the end of the year, I took my fee off the highest amount for the year. That's still not right. So I tell a client, listen, I'm going to ride the market up and down monthly with you. And we're gonna, and then and the other thing I do, charging one-twelfth of 1% is, that means the majority of your money is inside your account working for you. If I charge 1% up front or 1% at the end of the year, that means that money's not working for you either. So, and, and and combine that with our open book policy, meaning that there's no handcuffs on us, there's no loads, there's no surrenders. You want out of JR and Wealth Management, you pick up the phone, you don't got to call, you don't got to write, you call a custodian, it's over. Done. End of story. End of relationship. The clients have 100% of the power of their firm. I'm confident enough in my results and my performance that they want to stay and refer me. They do. And, uh, and, I, and that's without sounding arrogant because my thing is, if you can back up what you're saying, it's not arrogance; it's confidence. So, and I can. So, mm-hmm. and that's it. And that's what uh, really keeps it going. So that's how you pay one one twelfth of one percent uh, per per month on a on a monthly basis. And if you lose money, then you don't make as much money. It, exactly, and that's how it should be. You should hurt and win with the client. Period. I don't know why that is such a hard grasp for 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 folks that don't want to do that or. Can't afford it. That's not because that's not it's. Your, I'm going to tell you why that is, John. Because it's all about them. It's not about the client. It's a different paradigm. I blame the clients too. Let me tell you the for go, for falling for that. Exactly. I totally do. And for enabling them, uh, you know, there's only so many times where you call the cops to come to your house and you stay with your husband that's beating you. Every once in a while, you're the enabler. Mm-hmm. So if you decide to stay with Joe Schmo because he takes you golfing or does magic tricks or does a movie night or whatever crazy stupid things that these people do that are entertainers and not financial advisors. That's on you. That's not on the financial advisor. You, you, it's like, there's, there's this old Greek riddle and I don't know how to say it. It sounds much uh, more romantic in Greek, but basically it talks about when a guy's saving a rattlesnake and he, he brought the rattlesnake back like it nursed it. And when the rattlesnake got to full growth, the rattlesnake ended up biting him. And for whatever, you know, in this riddle, the, the rattlesnake talked and the guy crying as he's dying said, how could you do this to me? I saved your life. The rattlesnake said, you knew what you got. I was a rattlesnake. What did you expect? Mm-hmm. My point is, if you go in to... That's a beautiful uh, story, John. Thank you. I know. It was real sexy and romantic. <laughs> um, if you go in and say, uh, listen, Mr. and Mrs. Ever Jones guy or whoever upfront loader commission guy, it, it, you know what you're getting. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the client's fault, too. 
Shame on you. You know what I think you usually get? It's just my humble opinion. Mediocrity is what I think you usually get. Don't expect mediocrity in financial planning. Because but there's a couple of things you got to st- you got to start by the basic. Uh, fun- it's your money. Start with that. It's your money. Uh, we have inflation. You need to be able to at least keep pace with inflation. So you and and then you come along and you say, my goal is I should be able to beat the stock index funds because if I'm don't, this is I'm quoting you. True or false? Then just put it in the index fund. Yeah, if you're if you're a risk taker, if you're growth, if you're looking to get beta or above, and I'm consistently year after year not beating S P five hundred by at least a couple percent, what are you doing with me? Right, Especially me because I'm not. You're better I'm off not in, Mr. A, you know, in an index. Take fund. you to lunch, guy. So yeah, I I I, I don't understand why people let do that. Um, it, it, it's sad. Uh, I, I'm fired up right now. I, I think our industries is t- taking a turn for the worst that way. Um. Uh, and see, I think it's always been this way. That's where you and I disagree on that one thing. I've well, always- it has. The problem is it was getting fixed, and then they, they reinstituted not having to be a fiduciary. Mm-hmm. And that was wrong. They should have made. They should make every financial person that has an investment license a fiduciary. And ironically, that came from a person that I 100% disagree with on every ideal, and that was Elizabeth Warren. Mm-hmm. But she was right on that. Listen, how important – if, if – Financial advisors, licensed investment professionals aren't supposed to be fiduciaries. Who is? Mm-hmm. Think about that. So very, uh, very, um, like I said, I'm very fired up about that. Uh, I feel like uh, if people knew the truth about our industry and like the, 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 the awfulness and how it's regulated and the unfair rules and how that hurts the client as well as the advisors, the, the, I think they would be, they would... People should turn, ex- they would turn their cheeks. Should have expectations right. to say, okay, if I'm going to give you this money, then I expect you to actively money manage it. Now, let's say you put it in. Let, let's say I'm a moderate risk person, not a high risk. You know, there's different segments that he he puts you in, and maybe the moderate risk is doing quite well, so you don't have to mess with it. So six months or eight months or nine months, you don't have to mess with it. But you're still watching it to see if there's a change or a trend. That's when you deal deal with it without calling me or without me calling you. That's what I'll I'm get, looking for. I'll give for. you an example of a change I made. I took people out of X, XAR, which is an aerospace and defense fund. I'll tell you the strategy behind that. And I plugged them into FBT, which is a biotech fund. And first of all, I have to disclose it. That's not a. That's not advice. Don't go. Don't make that trade on your own because uh, you could be wrong. I could be wrong. So. Consult your financial person. So now that that disclosure is over, after North Korea kind of backed down and mm-hmm. played nice, our, and, and the Syria thing has kind of settled down, the what makes aerospace and defense funds and, and common stocks go up is the threat of war, right? More tanks, more more missiles, more warplanes, et cetera. That fund was rising hard until we got, you know, I'm not going to call it peace, but a, basically a handshake with, with the nutso in North Korea and, Things have kind of settled down with Russia and Syria. So so did XAR. And then biotech was ripe for the picking. So I picked a biotech fund and replaced it with uh, XAR, and it just made perfect sense, and I did that. I didn't call. I didn't write. I didn't want to write. I don't want to call. They got a trade confirmation. And that's just one of the and, – and, and here's another um, – why that fund, though? Why did you, uh, what was there about that sector, well, let me put it that way? Well, I, I, unfortunately, 
you can't see what I'm looking at, but I use a technical analysis and a tactician chart in that particular sector. I thought was with deep value, mm-hmm. which means I thought it was oversold, and I and I thought we could make a way more bang for a buck than taking average, you know, taking the same risk somewhere else, and then and 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 that's that. So uh, if you look at a biotech fund over the for a ten years, it's and it's well managed. It's a really really good return, but you're going to get your heart broken some years. When I say heartbreak, I'm talking like minus 40% returns. So you got to know when to buy that, and you got to know when, what, what's going on at the sector. Do clients call you and say, why did you get out of this and into that? Never. Or do you, uh, now, but when you said you email, you're doing email, do you email your newsletter out to say? I, I, I do. I do. The problem with the newsletter is. In the newsletter, do you address why you did what you did to that, uh, that trade yeah, or not? Yeah. Okay. So at the end of my newsletters, I'll, I'll put in strategies, moves. Uh, a couple comics from the Barons, um, just a full blown like kind of talking to the client as if we're having a, over to desk discussion. The newsletters haven't come as often as I like. Um, You've been busy. No, it's compliance. So my newsletters are about four page long, and you know I talk in depth, and what might seem common sense to you is not common sense to a law, for, uh, an attorney in our compliance department that says, "Hey, listen." You got to reward this. You got to reward that. Maybe you want to cut this out or you're plagiarizing this a little bit. And basically what happens is by the time they slice and dice it, it's nothing like what you want to say to the client. So <laughs> we, 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 we used to do them like monthly and then we went to quarterly. Now we're doing them probably semi-annually. We're coming around with one. Make it lawyers. Yeah, you. Okay, they're painted the butt. Yeah, you don't. You need them. I mean, this especially bit, in my industry. You know, it's so it's so uh, ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. Did you know you do not need to be a client of mine to put a complaint on my record? Meaning that an allegation. Well, how could you then? An allegation, because it doesn't matter. Like Judge Kavanaugh. Exactly. So Judge Kavanaugh luckily has due process to where he could actually take his and defend himself. Whereas a financial advisor that's not an investment advisor, just strictly FINRA-regulated, it just the allegation goes on your on your public report, mm-hmm. and it says denied or or it says the result, but they're usually denied. But it stays on there for life, even if it's denied. Mm-hmm. And if it's over five thousand, or t- I don't know if the rules went up, but it used to be five thousand. If the amount equals over five thousand bucks, um, you know, it goes on your public record. Now, what we do, we we we've hired, in my opinion, the, the strongest law firm in the country called Carlisle, Patrick, and Murphy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they go to war with us. And, you know, if we have to play hardball, because we document everything in our firm, uh, the three-way document, we do hard copy, email, and our CRM system. Do you agree with that? Even the Cleveland Browns are winning under Trump. It doesn't surprise <laughs> me. Everything he touches is gold, right? I just so, <laughs> um, And they did. They won. Yeah, they did. So... Yeah, it, and it was a fun game to watch, which is it's an exciting been a game. While. To watch. I hate watching. I hate the NFL, though. I do. If there's literally you're nothing a college else football on, guy, yeah. No, not only I I love football in general, but you see what they're doing to the game. I mean, you, you but you're an Ohio on. State guy. You're a oh, college crazy. football I'm guy. Why is you an Ohio State there's guy? No, but there's no shame in that, man. You like college football. Well, I used to love football. Period. I mean, I watch peewees. Hold that thought. Back with oh. segment number two. That's John Arnold, J. Arnold Wealth Management Company.
The following is a paid program and does not necessarily represent the views of iHeartMedia. Securities and advisory services offered through Investicorp, member FINRA, SIPC. Information provided during the J. Arnold Wealth Management Company show is intended for informational purposes only and should not be considered advice. Please consult with your own investment advisor or tax advisor before making any investment decisions. This is the J. Arnold Wealth Management Show. All right, News Radio 570 WKVN, 633, Segment 2. John Arnold's here. It's the J. Arnold Wealth Management Show, News Radio 570 WKVN. Uh, and uh, John is uh, talking about some of the moves that he made into uh, 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 f- uh, away from military into biotech uh, arena. That's just one of the recent moves. When we last talked, you said a lot of times you're sticking with uh, the areas that you were in because they're doing so well that you don't need to move a lot of stuff around. That's a good thing, though, right? It is. It, it, it's it's frustrating for me. It's frustrating for the clients because... Not as long as they're making money. Yeah, but you know what? Here, here, Look at this from the client's perspective. Here they are paying me a 1% fee to manage money. Hold on a second. This is what drives me crazy when you do this. They, they, they come in and bring you money, and you figure out, and you guys agree on a risk scenario, then you put them in, in an area that meets their scenario. So they're doing well in that scenario. So you're not going to just make moves so it looks like you're doing something. You're going to stay in that scenario. So the client, they're not calling and complaining as long as they're making money. In your own head, you're thinking, boy, I should do move it around. No, it was the right pick in the first place is what I'm trying to say to you. No, I, I hear you loud and clear. But again, look at this from the client's perspective. If I am touting myself as a money manager, an investment advisor, and they're holding, say, 70% of the same holdings that they did a year and a half ago, regardless of how much they're up, they're probably getting a little itch in their head saying, what am I paying this guy for? No, they were good picks to begin with. Now, here's the truth. I haven't had one client say that, but I'm looking at this through the eyes of the client. Honestly, the client's going to be happier with The client isn't thinking that way. I don't know. If I was a client, I'd think that. Well, that, I mean, we've had Amazon we've held for four years. We've had ISRG now for three years. Um, the, 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 the building sector, a long time. Healthcare sector, a long time. I mean, it, some of the stuff is long in the tooth, but it's still kicking ass. So, so why would you change it? They were the because right Because I want to give them their money's worth. And, um, and you are. I'm damned if I do, if I damned if I don't. So I'm going to stay running the same play that's getting those touchdowns. But it is in the back of my mind. Is I always look at things through the client's eyes. Like, if I was a client, what would I think of this? That's All that matters is, are they making money? Are you concerned over the price of oil going up? Just the opposite. You are. Uh, I, you know, you and I, we're never going to agree. No, that's one of the few things we disagree on. I mean, this, he, I, I sometimes I think he does this to drive me crazy, folks. No, I mean. You drive me crazy. Why would you? Why, if if people can make more wages on oil and buy more product and buy more lawn services, that's a good thing versus paying another 50 cents for gas. It costs you more money to fill up your car, and it takes money out of your pocket to go do something else for, for that energy, if you will. As long as gas prices stay around two fifty, two sixty, two seventy, whatever, under three bucks. But oil, but why is oil going up? Do you even have a reason? Yeah. Oh, okay. I do. Um, I want to hear it. The supply and demand is in favor now. 
of the oil producers. Because of a strong economy. Well, the Saudis ran oil down to defeat our natural gas. Uh, fracking, here. yeah. yeah. And, put, it on, put it on there. I mean, you look at how much energy we had just in Columbia and the county alone. Mm-hmm. I mean, we scared them to death. And they purposely, you know, burned oil, literally burned it and withheld it and uh, oversupplied the market in some ways. They manipulated it to send oil into the $22, $25 barrel mark. And now that kind of that, that tug of war is over. I think that one side got what they wanted. The other side got what they wanted. And we're probably going to get equilibrium at 75 to $80 a barrel, which is where it probably will need to be. Um, and that's where my oil, I own oil wells. That's when, that's where we need to be to make seven or eight percent returns on our, on our oil royalties. So, uh, it's a good thing for John Arnold. It's a good thing for my folks that work in the oil industry. It's a bad thing for Ron Verb as a lawn care business. So I, I get, I, I do feel your pain and I agree with you to an extent, but I'm willing to win, lose the war to win the battle. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. Ugh. Well, I got a I got brain farts tonight. Lose, lose the battle, the battle to win the war. Yeah. There you go. But uh, but oil is oil is coming up. What effect? I'm reading where they are talking about raising interest rates again. Comment, please. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. The money's too cheap right now. It's too easy. Does easy it bother to- you though that uh, sometimes it seems to me like do they want to shoot a good thing in in, in the foot when they're doing this or what? what well, what's your thinking? Up. Let's Talk back about up to that. The reason why they they lowered interest rates to zero. Right mm-hmm. back in '09, what was the reasoning? Because it sucked. The, the economy, economy in, sucked. Yeah. All right. Where's Quantitative easing too. Remember mm-hmm. that? Yeah. The uh, it was a it was a needed thing. We needed to give corporations the the you know the the, the entice them to lend money to borrow money uh, to hire more people to 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 build more product because they were getting hurt on so many other sides. Well, now what happens if you have if you have too much if the money's too easy to get with the economy roaring, you're going to have super inflation. So the way they're doing it is correct. Uh, that's one thing I probably disagree with Trump on is uh, the need. He's he's not for the need to raise a quarter to a half. Mm-hmm. I am. I think I think because of the months it should have been raised, we have to play catch up. Um, but it, it there there's that would be fair to say that we would probably need another quarter. Oh really? So and this, they, they say that affects inflation, and right, it kind of yeah, controls it, it inflation. Eases, it eases the free money supply. So the money supply is is greatly affected by the interest rate. If if you're a billion dollar corporation, and you can borrow money basically for free mm-hmm. and make your product with and make your product, and employer folks making that product with that bar- borrowed money, and then those people get to buy buy goods and services at home, and it trickles down. Uh, that creates an inflationary effect. And so if, the, if you make the money a little bit more expensive, harder to get, it's supposed to back that down a little bit. Do you worry about the tariffs? John Arnold's our guest. I absolutely Jay do not. I'm in touch with folks, and you're just going to have to believe me on this. I can't say I'm in touch with folks. They're in the very upper echelons of, of, of where that would, the tariff would hurt. The majority of them say no. Majority of them say, listen, it's all propaganda. It might hurt us a couple bucks. We're going to pass it on to the, maybe the, the consumer at 10 cents. Mm-hmm. If you, you and I agree, I know that on this. It's Nothing significant, yeah. Not, I would rather pay. Just I'll, I'll tell you an example. I was at a grocery store today, and I told the lady this. I would rather pay more to keep you employed than go through the, the automated checkout. I would rather pay 10 cents more 
keep keep a guy like my dad pulling a lever or putting a windshield at GM or driving a car at GM, test driving it, to keep him employed because that person's eventually going to buy my service. Mm-hmm. Not specifically me, but somebody's. And that's what makes the, the economy run. So I would, uh, these folks are looking at it from a strategic way that, especially farmers, I have, I don't know why and I don't know how, I have a lot of farmers as clients in Endeavor. Oh, I can answer that. Uh, shale drilling. Nope, way before that. Really? Yeah, I got the mayor of, of uh, Jefferson or the trustee back in the day. It was either mayor or trustee as a client. And farmers are, you know, if you're honest with them you, and you produce, they're going to, they refer the whole town. And it had nothing to do with the boom from the shale drilling. It was drilling. five years before that. It was when my, but did the shale drilling help get you a lot of farmers too and that kind of stuff? By the time it hit, yeah. Okay. But I had already had a lot of farmers. But those folks, those are the people I'm calling and talking to. And listen, farmers got a lot of money. They have the same overalls and the same truck that they had 20 years ago. Well, they're, they business, they're, they're business people. They're they have business to be. people, and they save more than the average person. They have a lot of money to know what they're doing. And they said, listen, we understand, especially the soybeans right now, are taking it on the chin. They're, they usually get 11 to 12. Now they're only getting seven. They, they, they also said, listen, we're going to get hurt on this thing, but we're willing to do it because we know that's what needs to happen for our future. Mm-hmm. And they all say the same thing. They all love Trump. They all believe in it. I'm, I'm telling you from the horse's mouth, and uh, and then we're all kind of on the same page. You know, they took our, our American workforce away from us, sending it to India and China and Mexico, and we want it back, and we're going to do whatever it takes to get it back, and I like that. Mm-hmm. We're finally coming together to say, hey, you know what? They pulled the rug out from under us, uh, and we want it back, and we're going to do what it takes. All right. Uh, despite increasing oil prices, uh, interest rates bumping up, tariffs you're still optimistic on the economy and the market with the all correct that word mind, is bullish okay yes. bullish okay yeah that's the correct word no i mean that is the right word bullish right yeah it is bullish I, i'm very bullish i will let you know in the listenership know when i'm not bullish but i have no hesitation on a scale of one to ten one being very bearish and ten being very bullish i'm at an 11 if that's how through 2018 through the middle of 2019. Oh, that far out. Mm-hmm. 2019 scares me because if I'm a Democrat. It's an election year. Yeah. It's pre-election year, right? Because 2020 is yeah, an actual election. Yeah. So that's when you charge up to like. And I think Trump's one of a kind. I don't know that he'll even want to do four more years. He'll be 74 years old. I disagree. Old. That's not how that guy thinks. That guy is in it to win it. Mm-hmm. He's already championing championing, and, 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 and lobbying and, and fundraising for 2020. He's definitely running again. And I'm going to tell you something that I told people, and they roll their eyes. He might be the first president to go uncontested. Really? I would have to roll my eyes on that, too. I'll tell you the reason why. You would have to think about if the economy stays the way it is, and we're not in a war, and things get even better, and knowing who you're going to go against in that debate. Think about what he did to his own party with with Rubio and and all these guys. He humiliated them. Humiliated them, and he humiliated Hillary. Okay, now imagine this: he has all these results backing him. He's never been more arrogant. He's never been more powerful. And you are running against him, and you're going to go against a a, basically a a guy that's willing to be a maniac when it comes to whatever whatever he's ever what he wants to say, backed up by a ton of results. You're going to destroy your political career. Mm -hmm. 
You're at. You have. You have no chance after that. He will destroy you. Make you dust. I was talking to that uh, Dane Davis on Friday, and I thought he. I thought he made a good point. He says, "Listen, I would rather have a guy that goes in, sits down with NATO, and isn't worried about his image or coming out as always oh, a great world leader, and we're patting each other on the back. Comes out and they and maybe they're pissed at him, but he's saying to them, you 'You're going to pay your two percent GDP because that's what you agreed to, and stop sticking us as a country.' You need a guy like that, is what he said. You need a guy to go down to Mexico and Canada to say you're screwing us on these deals, and they're going to say bad things and not be crazy about you, but you're getting something done. That's why you're hey, changing the status the, quo. For the gander, if they're going to ride our ride on our coattails, you're going to pay. Mm-hmm. That's the end of the story, and you're 100 percent right. By the way. Thank you on behalf of the listenership for getting that guy, Dane. I love when that guy comes on. Oh, he's brilliant. He's brilliant. He's got the brains that I don't. I love him. He's objective. He knows what he's talking about. Right. And he, and he looks at it just like you said. Of course, he's a, you know, he's a Wall Street kind of guy. He looks at the same stuff you do, too, you know, as an economist and that, and that kind of stuff. John Arnold's here, J. Arnold Wealth Management Show. Still bullish on the market. Did you hear what he said through 2019? Disclaimer, he could be right, he could be wrong. <laughs> I love doing that disclaimer. I could be right, I could be dead wrong. But he's bullish through 2019, is what he said. People are still, uh, are finally waking up saying, I don't think I'm getting my fair shake from whoever my financial guy is. In other words, I don't think they're doing anything for me, which is uh, probably the majority of financial guys. And number three, gee, I'm sitting in the bank. We're starting to see inflation, and I'm falling further behind. I, you know, I had twenty thousand in the bank, and now I can't buy as much as I could a year ago at that twenty thousand. Those are the people that are going at least in to talk to John Arnold, right? Uh, when they can get in to see what your game plan is, right? That's what they first meet with. What can you do for me? That's what they. Well, both. It's about it's a it's a two way interview process. I am. Um, they just don't come in and say, here's 20000 I'm now a client. No, I, they, we don't even accept those kind of amounts. Right, but, you want to say, what am I going to do, right? Well, I want to know, I want to make sure that we're going to be able to achieve their goals. If someone comes in and says, we want a guaranteed 12 15% returns, I'm going to say, well, go see the Viatical salesman down the street, because I can't do that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just got in a, in a heated debate with a client. Heated. Oh, I love these. With Details. A, a, he just became a client today. I cannot believe he wanted to come. Uh-huh. After I mean, we've gotten a yelling match. Really? Yeah. He drives truck um, oh. to Colorado for yeah. oil rigs. This cat's doing like twenty, forty thousand dollars a month into his account. Mm-hmm. He's gonna be a big client. But he told me he's like, no matter what, I don't want to lose my principal. I said, well, what do you mean? He's like, I, he's like, you, do, you know, we make a lot of money and you lose a little bit of it. As long as we don't hurt the principal, I said, I can't guarantee that. I'm gonna call him Charlie. This is not his role. Like, uh, like only a bank could. Basically. Yeah, I said you. So let me get this straight. You you know the market goes up and down. Yeah, you know that there's a potential market crash that could come right at any one time. Yeah. Well, what do you expect me to do when that happens? Let's say you give me the whatever it is tomorrow, and I lose ten percent in six months because the market fell forty. I said you expect me to put my name online that says, I, you know that we're going to make sure that it doesn't happen. I said you're you're no. That isn't you're right. I said, I said, here's what's going to happen. If we have a bullish economy and a bullish market, probably we're going to make you a lot of money. If we get in a market crash, I guarantee you I'm going to lose you some of your profit and maybe lose you some of your principal. That's the way the cookie crumbles. And we went back and forth. He didn't argue. And he was, we weren't arguing out of angry. We were arguing out of passion. And I just basically said, sir, here's how it's going to be. This is my firm. My name's on the sign. 
My license is on my is on your paperwork. If I tell you something that's not true, I will lose my license, get fined, and or go to jail. I said, so we're going to do it my way. You're going to sign documentation saying that I, you understood that we could lose your principal. And if you do that, I'm going to take you as a client because you're going you're going to have a lot of big money here. He said, well, I'm going to go interview the Edward Jones guy and some other guy down the street. That's my, my friend. And did he? We, we parted with a handshake. And I don't know what he did, but he, two weeks later, he called me today and he wants to become a client. I cannot believe, I can, I would have bet my life on it, that guy. They not want to, you know. Yeah, they, but they shouldn't, shouldn't he have understood that when you're going into somebody that's going to be be putting money in the market, that, that it goes up and down? Isn't that a basic thing to understand? Ser- now I'm being serious. <laughs> I'm serious about this. Who it, doesn't it, get that? This guy, obviously. I told him there's no magic silver bullet or magic wand that, that listen, you can invest your million dollars today, and if we get a plane hit the Golden Gate Bridge or whatever crazy terrorist attack happens, that's going to greatly affect the market. But did you also tell him if lose. that happens, I'm going to make sure I get you out as quick as I can? I told him we could set stop losses, but if you give me a million and we stop loss out at 880000 you're mm-hmm. still pissed off because it's below principal. Right. I use that exact analogy. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. And, and yeah, but I've interviewed you a long time. Deep down, and when that stuff happens, that bugs the living hell out of you, doesn't it? I mean, yeah, yeah, let's well, be yeah. let's be realistic. You, uh, I can say this: you lose, you genuinely and truly lose sleep over over bad markets and if money goes down because that's somebody's retirement. In two thousand nine, there were many times, many times that I literally went day to day without sleeping. Mm-hmm. If you can imagine that, I was a zombie, just going through the motions to where the next day I would Watching get home. The market go I would down. get home and like crash at five o'clock at night, and wake up at eight, and feel like I got a full night's rest. It was as international markets. It was market. It was taking phone calls. It was worrying. I, it was my upbringing. I, my mom was a massive therapist, and uh, my dad was a General Motors guy. And I, they worked their tail. They worked and saved a ridiculous amount of hours. Save their and money. Money came hard. Say we weren't poor, but we, you know, we weren't going to Cedar Point every other weekend. Mm-hmm. And how about once a year? No, Jogga Lake was what we did, and because they, <laughs> they didn't want to spend money on Cedar Point. And looking back, that was smart. What I miss Jogga Lake. Oh, I do too. Even what though a, I, I what must a great con- in between park. Huh? I must confess, though, I uh, I might be less of a man in John Arnold's eyes. I hate amusement parks. Can I tell? Oh, you? I'm right there with you. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell. The I'm people gonna... in the lines make it horrible. I'm there. You go. I'm going to confess to the following things. One, once I got out of college, before computers, all the, for that entire time, all I did was wait in lines. You had to wait in lines to sign up for classes, line after line after line. And when I got out of college, I said I don't ever want to do that again. When when I would go to amusement parks, what would I do? I got to wait in this line for an hour for a five minute ride. Are you kidding? I couldn't take it. I, and, and I'm the same as you. I, I'm so I, I impatient. Couldn't. So right, so I the can't. world is so instantaneous now. It's even maybe worse, and I'm already <laughs> impatient. And and it's and combine that with the people, you're so ignorant and rude. Oh yeah. And and so if you can get over one hump, you can't get over the other. I can't. I just no thank you. Mm-hmm. I tell my wife she take. Listen, I'm not talking to Canfield Fair. It's a wonderful. Oh, that's great. Yeah. But I, I can't take my wife will take my my kids on the rides. I'm one day. Well, I give them one day. Mm-hmm. You want to go back and. Do this, knock yourself out, daddy's out. Mm-hmm. Take mom. Mm-hmm. Not for that. I, I cannot stand the lines and, and you know, 
reference. No, but you're but you're uh, laser focused on this kind of stuff. If I uh, I don't mean to betray your confidence. I mean I remember doing those shows with those uh, uh, down markets or some sleepless nights because you said uh, that that bothers me when things go down. That's somebody's retirement. Two things that you once told me once that bothered you. I'm going to tell. I'm going to confide this to all of our listeners. It would. It, I, it, I would. Uh, a lot of times, John would come in after calling hours at a funeral, and uh, it would bother you that some guy died, and he had a bunch of money, and he never enjoyed it, and that really bothered you, because you would tell him why. You know, you did you do you or do you not send a show? Once you get eighty, there's not a whole lot you're going to be doing. So take some of it, enjoy it before you get there. Did you know or did you not say that? Yes or no. I say that weekly, right? But uh, and then you and then you came in after that funeral calling hours, and you were upset. It was a good guy, good client, and uh, you know it's going to pass on his kids. Then they'll go buy cars and enjoy it, and he never really did. Yeah, it's sad. I mean, and that, was sad. that's number one that bothers you, right? It does. I can't. I, I can honestly say it's not a it's not a smoke job. It's not a a sales screen. It's it's literally it's my heart. I literally care. Start start enjoying it. You mm-hmm. tell some of these clients at mm-hmm. seventy or sixty eight or whatever, right? Start enjoying Money's some only of this as money. Good as what you can do with it, right? Period. If you're going to collect dust, otherwise account, it's a number or a CD. It's 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 you might as well have paper in a mouse hole. I mean, right. It it's it's what it can buy. Exactly. What it can, what can do for you or your family. Right. What and it can it, do. And then when you get in your sixties, it should be doing giving you some kind of enjoyment. Mm-hmm. The, the the days of accumulating wealth are over. Mm-hmm. That's why you built that, and that's why you cut the coupons and turned the air conditioning. Now, uh, now, now, all that. Now, talk about when uh, you individually know that this is that person's hard-earned money in their retirement, and and that's a serious thing for you, isn't it? It is, and that's the reason why we our model is provide the best service, try to provide the best performance, and provide the least amount of expense to the client. And that way, that model is built for a client-first model. But more importantly, uh, from a, from a business standpoint, we're hard to beat. When you when you get me versus another financial advisor one to one, I say, here are my results. Here are your results. Here's my model. Here's their business model. The only reason why you're not going to choose me is either you're in love with the other guy, or uh, honestly, my personality is not a fit for a lot so, or for some. So if you're, I tell them, you're looking for the the guy that's going to send you birthday cards and. Take you golfing and all that kind of nonsense. I'm, Although you I'm, have client appreciation, I do. Days. I have a couple of those, but it's not. That's not my model. Like, that's a big thank you. Have a nice day. Have at it. Um, and I say that at my event. That is the first thing I say on the microphone because we had a Beatles tribute night. And and you said thank you. Have a nice day. No, I just said, now I got to get said, back to work. Did no, you drop the mic then? No, I did didn't you drop it. No, what I did say at the beginning is I said, listen, I want to make it clear. My first job here is to make sure that your investment returns are better than the S&P 500. My first job here is to make sure that I'm a money manager to you. I do this to say simply thank you for your business. And I said, I don't, I don't want you to think this gets me off the hook. My clients knew it. They loved it. One client came up to me and said, that was awesome what you said because that's what I want. But that's it. We don't focus our model on the friendship and the relationship first. To tell you the truth, when somebody says to me, well, maybe you're looking for, I'm looking, you know, I'm looking for a relationship. It kind of turns me out because I said you should be looking for results. Or if my competition says, "Well, I don't know, we don't do that. We're we're in a relationship business." Well, what you're really saying is, is you're in you're looking for people to pay for friendship. If you want right. that, go to the country club, go join a bowling league. Right. 
but don't invest your money with that person. Get a strategy out of them. Right. Find out what the, what the, what they will do when they initially get your money and what their follow-up's going to be on your money and that Contingency kind of stuff. Contingency plan, new ideas, discretionary trading, all kind of stuff that you should be talking about. Now, this is John Arnold sitting right there in chair number one over there. John Arnold, he's here every Monday at 6 o'clock. And uh, he is an active money manager. Uh, if you're interested in t- touching base with John, and you know whether it's becoming a client, whether it's asking John a question about what do I do on my 401k, maybe you just uh, don't have any investments, but you have a 401k. Hey, what are my best options? I mean, you're always open to anybody helping them out, giving them some advice, right? I am, and we help a lot of people from the show that just call us that need a free, you know, free advice. It takes me five minutes. I'm always there to help. To look and so, give yeah. a second opinion. And then we'll obviously take it, still take a new client. We'll right. fit you in as soon as we can. And uh, So how do we get a hold of you? Where do we find you? Uh, details, please, John Arnold of J. Arnold Love Management. Give a free consultation at 330-36... Excuse me, I just gave myself one up. 330-965-9890. Unless you're a hot girl. No, I'm kidding, Jennifer. I'm kidding. <laughs> look at what that did to Kavanaugh. Yeah, yeah, exactly. hey, Jennifer, did you hear that? That's your lovely wife. Yeah, and how many kids do we have now? Three. Three. And she's asking for, asking for a fourth. I don't know. That's a lot of money management. Uh, four um, kids. 330-965-9890. Sorry, what'd you say? Go for it. 330-965-9890. He won't answer that. always free. <laughs> go for the fourth? Yes. Oh, God. You know, you got to see what happens. Know. You know what I mean? So call the office. The office is located. If you know where 224 and Lockwood Boulevard is in Boardman, then you, then if you look over there, you'll see, I think that's an orthopedic center on the right there, right on the corner there. But behind there is um, the Poor House Bar and Grill and Bruno Brothers. If you pull in back there, uh, it, it, that, get to that, it's right off of Lockwood. You go all the way to the top of um, Star Center Plaza, Star Center, I should say. You can also catch that right off at 224 as you're going up the hill towards Canfield. You turn right, you go all the way to the top, you'll see the the J. Arnold Wealth Management Office. Call, make an appointment, stop on in and see uh, John and uh, see what he can do for you. And you pride yourself in saying, there's really no pressure or, or whatsoever. If you like what you hear, then come aboard. If you don't, then stay with what you're doing. And you have also told people that we're doing it on their own. You're doing a great job. You don't need me. It's rare, but it does happen. Yep. Right. Yep. See great you next show. Monday. Thank you, Ron. That's John Arnold, J. Arnold Wealth Management.